All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 13 of the KISS FAQ podcast. And uh, today will be an audio-only episode as it is episode 13 and Murphy's Law has been uh, implemented fully I think I think we've been affected by every gremlin possible. Um, today, I'm joined by Chris, who is rising force on the board, um, and also a special guest, Jess Wef- Westlake, who is the guitarist in the band Hydrogen, and he will have a whole lot more to tell you about himself than I could possibly do justice. So, Jeff, welcome a lot. Welcome to the Kiss IVQ podcast, and Chris, also welcome aboard. It's great to have you both here today. So, Chris, I'm going to turn this this show over to you to drive. Um, But if you'd like to first introduce yourself, Chris, so that everyone knows who you are, um, who hasn't already been banned by you. Um, Sure. Most people here have been banned by me at some point or another, correct? But uh, so you all know me and going down the standard questions that we usually have. What year did you become a fan? That's 1977. My first album was Alive 2, and I still remember to this day I... A five-year-old kid burning birthday money, a hole in his pocket. I literally was at a store and I said, I'm not walking out of this store without something. And I turned and there was a live two staring me in the face. I grabbed that and since 77, I haven't looked back. So uh, favorite album, it would be nice to have a uh, hip answer like Creatures or The Elder or something like that. But you, you, I guess you have to go with a live because how, how do you top that? And favorite member of the band will always be Eric Carr. So that there, there's my background and... Everyone else here knows and loves me, and I'm sure I've done something bad to them at some point or another. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, that leads us to Mr. Jeff Westlake. How you doing, Jeff? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing good, and we're glad to have you. Thanks for dropping by. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Well, to get people caught up a little bit on the background of you, and of course our video glitches kind of take away from some of what I was going to be showing here, but I have all of your studio albums here. So going back to a, give a quick history of you. God, uh, Hydrogen goes back to what, 2003, 2004? That type yeah, of period? Yeah, actually, well, it actually became a full entity January 2004. Started putting it together actually September 2003. Uh, it wasn't until we asked Julie to join in 2004 that the band actually became, a, a, you know, its own entity. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at, uh, I have the first album, Best Served With Volume, and of course, on the back cover of the reissue, the two discs, there's Julie with her Kiss shirt on, fantastic, throwing, keeping with the motif of what we're going for here. Yeah. Then moved on to Bombshell, which was your, probably your major debut, right? I mean, Best Served With Volume was a little bit more demos and just getting out there. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but Bombshell was actually, that was the launching pad. Yeah, and of course, I'm sitting here with both copies, the original 18 and Light version, and then the second one with Back in Black, or it's backwards the other way around. Back in Black was first. You know, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sadly, I, I do remember all the pesky little details of that. That's what I do. <laughs> so, uh, Besides yeah, banning strip, people. You got Stripping Blind Live, your two versions of Deadly Passions, you have Judgment, Private Sessions. Now, that's a good one, because that contained a hidden bonus version of Heaven's on Fire, where you guys did a cover on that one. That was not listed on the label, by the way. Nice little hidden track that you threw in there. Yeah. There's, there's, more, back, there's the, more backlog to that, to that song. That We did that as a test run. We, uh, we recorded private sessions in France, and uh, the guy who helps us with our business over in France, his name's Mike Jublin, uh, just a phenomenal human being, him and his family. Um, said, hey, why don't we do a test run with these guys over here and let's do a song that everybody knows. And I was like, okay, what song do you want to do? And he told me that. So we actually did that song, and it was just amazing how it came out and then how Julie, Julie's voice captured the energy and the excitement of the song and everything. But, folks, there's also a video that nobody's seen yet. Uh, I'm assuming I'll be getting that on my DVD that I'm expecting any day now. Uh, no, it won't be on that DVD because it's being oh. saved for something else down the road. Um, but it is uh, Julie and some of her cohorts all dressed up in their Kiss outfits, uh, oh. doing doing uh, Heavens on Fire 
Um, it's, uh, like I said, it's going to be on something else a little bit further down the road here, but it's going to be pretty cool. Nice. Nice. So you have a few other releases too. We have your particles box set, which encompasses everything that you guys have done. You just recently put out an EP last year called break the chains. Mm -hmm. But then we get to the, the crux of what we're going to want to discuss here. And here is your copy of hotter than hotter than hell, a tribute to kiss where often these days you'll see a cover come out. You'll see a tribute album with various all-star people coming in and someone will do Shout It Out Loud and someone will do Lick It Up and someone will do Rock and Roll All Night and all the same songs we've heard a million times. Whereas you went a different approach and took the entire Hotter Than Hell album and people who go back on our site for years will tell you, most Kiss fans will tell you, boy, I love Hotter Than Hell, but I can't stand how it sounds. I wish that there was a different production to it. And that's pretty much where you went with it. So tell us a little bit more about that project. Well, it was just a whole lot of fun. The project, I think, is something that I've wanted to do since October 74. <laughs> <laughs> not, not completely understanding where I'd end up in life. But, um, you know, it, it, it was something that I always felt the same way you just described. You know, what, a, what an album, what, what great songs. And then, you know, as a kid, being able to hear those songs live in concert for the first time, it was like, wow, it sure didn't sound like that on the album. Um, and then getting it on live and stuff, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier, my first Kiss album was 74. It was March of 74, and it was the first Kiss album, and it was bought in Kmart in South Point, Ohio. Uh, I can, I could get, you know, I was with my mom and my grandmother. I could get real specific with that, but that's when I was sold. And um, so... Getting back to the the tribute, you know, I've always loved the album, but I've never. Really, I, I bet you in the forty years it's been out, I've only listened to it less than a dozen times because I just couldn't handle the, the sound of it. But things progressed, and I went through everything. Then I ended up building a studio a few years ago, and so I had a little law in time in, in my schedule, and so I got all my buddies, my really good buddies. I got Jeff Boggs, who's who's my brother from another mother, and I got Mark Carlisle. And John Cardellino, a bunch of guys that I'm really good friends with who are great musicians. I said, guys, let's do this record. But here's the catch. We're not doing anything different. You have to go home and you have to put this record on and you have to learn this verbatim. And they all just kind of looked at me. I was, and you know, John Cardellino being the drummer, I said, the fills, the rolls, uh, you know, I don't care what's in there. It's got to be done exact. And all we're going to do is re-record it use the exact same guitar tones, use the exact same bass tone, the same kind of uh, atmosphere that they use for the drums, and we're just going to bring it into a modern production and open it up and let it breathe to where, you know, is where it should have been maybe in 74. And so they all went home and worked their butts off, and uh, I was looking for vocalists at the time uh, to do all, all, you know, all the different parts. But I found the guy to do Peter Chris. He was pretty close. And then couldn't really find the other guys. Uh, I found some people. I, I talked to a couple of the Kiss tribute bands, and for some reason, all of them were like, nah, nah, nah. And I was like, eh, okay. So ended up doing a lot of the vocals myself and Mark uh, Carlisle, who did all the rhythm guitar work on the album, uh, did the other vocal. And then I just sat back and produced it, you know, just to make sure everything was right. But that was the approach we took at it. And, you know, when we got done with it and we, we had it mixed and everything, we sat down and listened to it. And I was like, I, I think that's as far as we need to go. I felt really good about how rich the song sounded and how true, even to the vocals, even though I was doing some of the vocals. And it's the first time I've ever been on a recording with me doing vocals of any type. And, you know, Julie came in the studio, my wife, who's the, who's the front woman for Hydrogen, she came in the studio and worked with me on some stuff. And, and, you know, when we got done with it, man, I felt really good about it, but I knew the test wouldn't be over until KISS fans heard it. And so, uh, we've had some great reviews from a lot of fans come back on it and I'm just really happy about it. Yeah. It's one of those fans, Jeff, I got to say, musically, the album is absolutely staggering. It's it's like what how you want to hear the music of Hotter Than Hell and how you wish you'd heard it all those years ago. I mean, it's really fresh. It's crisp. It's not sludgy like the original. So you did you guys did a fantastic job with that. So congratulations. Well, I really appreciate that. I mean, that's 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 what we were shooting for. 
I mean, that's the end game right there. Everything that you just said is absolutely the end game of, of what we were looking for as a, as a unit, even more so myself than the other guys, because, you know, it's like um, we're recording and, and Mark did something one day, and I said, no, that's not it. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, it is. I said, no, that's the live version. <laughs> and he was like, I don't understand what you mean. I said, that 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 little nuance hadn't been put in that song until, until they took it out live. I said, that's not the studio version. So I had to take you back to the studio version and show him. Um, but, you know, that's that's what we shot for, man. And, and to hear somebody say that is just, that just, you know, that, that like brings a big smile and chill bumps all at the same time. So there was never any thought on your, you wanted to stick completely to the album and not say, let's put a little bit of me into it. Let's do the alive. Cause I know people say, Oh, if we're doing another album, G rock and roll night, I can't imagine it without the solo. Do you want to do it that way? Or do you want to the studio? You really wanted to hammer it home and say, this is what I would have heard in 74 if today's technology existed and production values were what they are now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, say for instance, say we were to re-record rock and roll all night. Say for instance, maybe we did dress to kill because this one's gone so well. There would be no changes in it other than the production value of the modern era. Um, for example, say you went and recorded I Stole Your Love, and Paul had that ultra-clean, almost bitey ACDC distortion, but it was real thin in the production, but you could hear what was going on, you know, what was really going on before they get, you know, it was processed and everything. If I was to do that, I would, again would go back. Um, I have an Ivan Nez Iceman, his series. I would take that guitar, plug it straight into a 1970s classic Marshall, which I have, and would record that part and make it sound the way that it was supposed to sound then, but it would still be that clean, broken distortion. I mean, there's nothing, you know, I'm not going to go hook it up through a Mesa boogie <laughs> and over gain the guitars and all that stuff. If you're going to do something, you're going to pay tribute to someone, you need to do it the way that they did it and you know and when it comes to to kiss there's nothing to change as far as the way they did it the only thing to change is just the lack of production that the, that, that the first six albums received yeah what sort of guitars did he use on this because I, I know paul back in the day i think hotter than hell tour and going into the village recorder in la he was uh using his custom v his uh, charlie labu custom v well he was using v's and he also used a, a melody maker um, I did some, I did some research, man, <laughs> you know, before we, before we dug in real hard, I went back and looked through a bunch of different stuff and, and I went back and listened to the album myself and, and, uh, you know, just kind of dialed in tones and did some, some different things. And, um, of course, Ace, you know, Ace, I think basically on, on, on that album, uh, was just using his Les Pauls. Um, which I think he only had two at the time. And so I went out and got a Les Paul with 1970s pickups in it, just like the one he would have had. And, you know, uh, you don't ever need to give me a reason to buy a new guitar. But, um, you know, we, we really studied that stuff hard. Um, and, you know, Gene's bass tone is epic. And so... It's really not hard. Now, if we were doing this like maybe in the late 70s, early 80s, I would have had a hard time replicating what Gene did uh, instrument-wise and his amp-wise, you know, because of what he had. But nowadays, it took me a couple of days, but I actually went out and found and got the right combination to get that same tone. Um, and I just wish on the Hotter Than Hell album. Yeah, and I think the mix on the album... It sounds like they had everything right in all the right places and everything. It was just the sonic of it. It was just the compression and the limiters and all that stuff. I just wish it would have been opened up more. And on, and on our production, I basically, after we were done recording, I just concentrated on opening the mix up. Yeah, I, I think the, the original album sounds, I mean, it's like you're listening in a cardboard box. I think there was a story of Ace using a custom-built, a homemade amp during the recording for that, but, you know, things sound in the right place. Was there any particular song on this, when you you sent everyone home with homework to learn them exactly as they were on their album, were there any of the songs that gave you a challenge that were that you struggled with? Um... Hotter Than Hell was a struggle vocally. 
Um, we actually had several different people sing it before Julie picked out the one that she said was the most comfortable. And we wouldn't, and trust me, we weren't trying to find anybody to sound like Paul Stanley. You got a rat's chance in hell of ever doing that. Um, most tribute bands have a hard time. That's the, that's the one that people have a hard time nailing, you know? Well, you know, Paul's just got such a uniqueness to his voice back then. Um, and still a uniqueness to this day, but, um, you know, that's just not something I, I could ever, ever try to think to try to duplicate uh, or replicate for that matter. But Hotter Than Hell was a little bit of a struggle uh, vocally, just try to find the right, the right delivery. Um, and that's, that was the one thing with all the vocals. Um, and maybe one of the reasons why I ended up doing so many of the songs on the album, because once again, guys, I know you don't sound like that person, but it's got to be delivered like that person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of got crossed eyes, crossed eyes looking at me on that a couple of times. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, it's again, this is not, this is not our spin on that album. This is our tribute to that album. So it's got to be, it's got to be as close to exact as possible. About fan reaction to it. I know that uh, we did a piece with you late last year, and we had a few. You, you gave me some as a contest that we gave out to listeners and, and our viewers here. So um, any songs jump out that people have been coming back to you saying, wow, that really kicked? Because I know I've heard from people, Strange Ways and Parasite are the two that really people have jumped out and been like, whoa, not that. <laughs> Boy, I wish that version sounded like that. Uh, Parasite, definitely. I've had I've had quite a few people um, say they liked coming home because it was a lot cleaner and a lot clearer, you know, than the original version. Um, and, and I've had quite a few people comment on watching you, uh, you know, I haven't had any, that, that's the weird thing. I've had no negative comments on it. I was just waiting for those things to kick in. Um, and they haven't, I mean, and to my, to my surprise, you know, all the people who've listened to it have been like, wow, you know? And so, um, you know, it kind of makes you think in the back of your mind. Hmm. Well, that's a testament to how good the project is, because I don't know if you know this, but KISS fans can have a tendency a time or two to be critical. Oh, so no. it's actually, uh-uh. it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, we, we see it every day. <laughs> so um, the fact that the response was so good, I know what I've heard, but for you, you've been hearing much of the same, and the album's doing well for you. Yeah. So, it, But it's not just the fact of, what you did and how it, it was just the love of the material came out, you know, and that's what it was. It was a respect where I'm doing this project because it's something I want to do. You know, not like I said, a bunch of those things I'm producer will get a bunch of acts together just to throw one out and get it on the market. Yeah. I mean, it was a labor of love, totally 100%, you know, watching it down to the absolute, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's gone well. Of course, everybody's going to have their own song they like, but I, I think overwhelmingly, Parasite's the one that gets the most attention. Yeah, when when I was going to just uh, give you a, a couple of my favorite takes on the album, I mean, Strange Ways and Parasite, by far. I mean, they're heavy, but now they're crisp and clean. So it, it really makes a gigantic difference to how how you really experience the songs to be able to hear them with that sort of uh, you know power behind them. Well, I mean, again, man, I, I, you don't know how much I appreciate hearing that. It's, it's, this is one of those things that this was not about a, Hey, I'm going to do this and put this out and make a lot of money off of it because that's, that's not, that's just not the way my brain thought on this. This is, this is, Hey, I love this album. I love this band. I want to be able to listen to this album and I'm going to sit down and, try to do the best that I possibly can and hopefully everybody else will appreciate it too and I've been lucky and that seems to be what's happened. The question about the construction of the album from a musical or a technical standpoint is um, when you had the other guys learning it verbatim did you guys go in a room together and jam it and try and you know put it together live or did you strictly go into the studio and go track uh, you know go go through the multi-tracks here's one layer of guitar here's the other here's the bass uh, what we did, I, and, you know, this really unique way of doing it. I wanted everything to stay coherent with with the original. So, what we did in that standpoint was, I brought John Cardellino in to do drums, and John literally tracked to 
to every song on that album. He tracked to the original track. So, um, you know, that was, that was not easy for him, I'm sure. But, you know, that's how, that's how much I wanted to be. If the song was like 323, I wanted it to be 323. If it had a swing in the tempo, I wanted the swing in the tempo. I mean, I wanted that stuff absolutely verbatim. And so he came in and he's, man, he's such a great drummer. It only took him two days to track that entire album. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a nightmare for any musician to be tracking to uh, another musician's recording and, and trying to be exact at the same time. I mean, that that just sounds like a, uh, a truth or dare sort of challenge. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I know these guys had it tough. And, and now when we went to do guitars and bass and all that stuff, well, what I would do is we would start tracking it. If there was something that was off a little bit, we'd go back and reference it right there on the spot. And we'd do everything in multi-layers and and, and do the whole thing um, like that. So, you know, we had something to reference against. But, I mean, it was funny. By the end of the project, everybody was as anal as I was. <laughs> they were like, are you sure that's right? And I'm like, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. And, you know, so that's what was really funny about it. And then when it came down to the vocals, you know, that's what I – that's when I had to bring in the expert. That's when I brought in Julie, and she kind of sat there and coached all of us and nuances. And there's a little, you know, a couple things here and there that you just can't do like the other person. But, you know, for the most part, if I had to sit here and grade the album on 100% to zero of its authenticity, I'd have to say it's probably at least 95%. Well, and even beyond the music, you took the packaging, you, you have the... The ladies in the Kiss makeup, and I've never seen Peter Chris look quite like that before. <laughs> but beyond that, you, you have the Japanese lettering, you have the ladies in the same pose with the makeup. I, everything just has this feel of here this is. This is the original album today. With a little tweak, avoiding all copyright infringements and whatnot. But yeah. really, it's a top-notch job all the way around. Well... Appreciate that as well. I mean, it, it, I knew I had to do something special for the artwork, and it didn't dawn on me. We were at dinner one night, me and Julie and one of her friends, uh, and her friend. We were sitting there talking about something, and she's like, ah, "So, what have you been doing?" And I said, "Well, I've been doing a Kiss tribute album." And she goes, "Oh, you mean Kiss like this?" And she stuck her tongue out, and I was like, <laughs> "It's just like Simmons." And I was like, "Oh man." My first comment was, what are you going to do with that right now? And then I thought, nah. <laughs> you know? And then I said, hey, you want to be part of a photo shoot? And she was like, for what? And then I, it, it all hit me at dinner, the whole idea. And so I talked to Julie, and Julie got a couple other her, her friends. Um, I call them the Busty Sisters. And, uh, of course, Jean, Jean uh, didn't have – the breast size that the other girls did, but she had the tongue. So, um, you know, we got them together, we studied the pose and we did that. And a buddy of mine who was the engineer was the second engineer on the bombshell album, Ryu Tashira, who lives over in Japan. Now uh, he's from Japan. He was over here training with Michael Wagner, went back to Japan. I called him up and said, Hey man, I need the writing for hotter than hell in Japanese. He said, okay. And he sent it to me and that's just how everything kind of fell together. And, you know, it just, uh, I don't know, man. It was just, you're right, Chris. I didn't want to infringe on a copyright or do anything like that. But at the same time, I wanted everybody who saw the album and who heard the album, I wanted them to know how serious I was about recreating that album. Well, it's an interesting promotional spin in the way you went about it. I remember I saw I saw a great ad on a Brave Words site with the, you've heard the album for 40 years now here for the first time. That's a great idea, by the way. Where'd you get that? Oh, you know, I don't know. Some guy lives up in the Northeast. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, uh, have you sent a copy of this album to Gene? You know, I was going to go see him at the joint in November, and I was going to take it to him and hand it to him personally, and something came up and I couldn't do it. Um, I know Doc McGee, and I know if I mail it to Doc, it won't get to him. <laughs> 
No, I'm just kidding. I, those guys are so busy. You know, I've thought about mailing to the office, and I still may do it. Um, I've met Doc on a couple of occasions uh, when he's worked with other bands, with Michael Wagner. Um, but no, they have to get a copy, and especially Gene. I think Gene would appreciate it a whole bunch. I, you know, I think Paul would appreciate it a whole bunch too. I, 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 you know, it's just, but it's one of those things. At the same time, even though people tell you it's good and you think it's good, it still makes your butt pucker a little bit to hand something like that to the originator. Yeah, abs- yeah. absolutely. And and along those lines, I mean, with Ace talking about doing his covers album where he's going to be re-recording some of his stuff from Hotter Than Hell, you know, getting him a copy of, hey, here, Ace, you know. Here's how it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Be faithful to it. Um, well, I, would, I wouldn't even know how to get to him. I mean, if you guys happen to know how to get to his management or something like that. I'd be happy to send him a copy. I would love to send him a copy and get his take on it. And, and, you know, um, matter of fact, if I think, if I'm, if I remember right, Chris, you're the one who gave me McGee entertainment's address, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I really want to get it to him. I think, I think it could be a good deal, but I'm thinking I might want to wait for a few months and give him something that has a little more levity you know, something that I think might literally bring him to their knees a little bit. And, and you know, I'm not going to get in depth with that, but there's something that, that uh, me and the guys and the gals are working on right now um, that is going to top anything that anybody's ever done uh, as far as a tribute to any rock band in history. I, I, I feel pretty pretty strong about that. Now that's a throwdown. That sounds exciting. Yeah, well, it is exciting. Tease it, tease it. Wet their appetite a little bit. Just <laughs> well, we're looking at, uh, I can tell you right now, we're looking at an October 27th release on it. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably be working till October 26th at midnight um, <laughs> to get it done. Just, just because it's just going to be, my schedule this year is so hairy. I've got a hydrogen record coming out. I uh, just finished a Westlake album. I got just finished a DVD for hydrogen. I've got cognition in the studio. I've got vinyl crusade after that. I got so much stuff going on, but, but you know, that's where you start burning the candle at both ends. But the good thing about burning the candle on the, on the far end, doing something that you love is that you don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. You just have to do what's right. So, you know, I, I can, I can do it without sleep. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's hit on another couple of uh, a few more Kiss topics that we can hit with you. Uh, sure. December of 2007, you guys opened up for Ace yeah. at Jack's. Yeah. And um, I know it wasn't just that night. I think you did some other nights across the European, your European tour as well. You opened the show with Jeans Radioactive being piped in, which I don't know how many people in the crowd actually get that at first. But uh, any response that, that you heard from that? Or just that, was it just something cool for you? Just like, hey, this is just for me. I just think it's funny to throw this in there. No, I mean we had, there was quite a few people that caught it. We actually we actually used that from 2004 until 2007, <laughs> and um, there's quite a few people that caught on to it. You know, I could see eyes out in the crowd be like, "Wow, you got to be kidding me!" And I'd have people come up to us afterwards and go, "You know, I couldn't believe I heard that. Is that what I heard? Yeah, that's what you heard. You know, and, and it was just one of those things that." I thought was always a phenomenal piece that Gene opened his solo album with. Um, but I expected the song to follow it to be a ball buster. And I never considered radioactive a ball buster in the sense of what I always thought would kind of follow that, you know, following that kind of an intro, I expect to hear unholy, Nice. you know, not radioactive, but anyways, I always liked the intro piece and, and uh, I'm probably one of the few people out there in the kiss world that, I don't have a favorite between the solo albums. Uh, I don't like Peter Chris's solo album. I just don't like the style of music that, that he did. But as far as Gene, Paul, and Ace go, I like all three of those albums equally as well. And, and uh, you know, it's just that was just one of those things to kind of throw in there to kind of I, not only show my age, but show my show my definitive support for you know a group of guys who I think are beyond brilliant. And your thoughts on the band today? I love the band today. Um, I'm not one of these guys that's going to, you know, go throwing Tommy and Eric under the bus for any reason at all. Um, that's okay. I'll do it for you. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> I think as I think as a you know as as a realist and somebody who does what I do for a living, you know, being in music full time, um, you just have to look at what it is. And I think that back in the seventies, there was a time in the early years, probably up to about seventy six, seventy seven, when they were you know they were great. And then when when two of the members started kind of falling off the wagon a little bit, um, it suffered live. And um, when they got back for the reunion tour, um, it was great the first year. And then after that, it starts suffering again. Um, with these guys on, on, on track, I think the band sounds better musically than they've ever sounded probably since 2004 on. Um, since Tommy and Eric got into the band on a full-time basis. And one of the other things was, too, and it's funny, I read it later, you know, Paul was complaining about the fact that there was only certain songs in the set list that they could do because the other guys couldn't play stuff from the other airs or didn't want to play stuff from the other airs. And I'm not a guy who cares about the whining and the inner squabbles and stuff like that. As a fan, I want to see the band. I want to hear the band. It's a shame that it can't be the original four guys. Um, even from my standpoint, I mean, I grew up from day one with them. So, you know, it's a shame that it can't be those four guys in that makeup doing what they do, how they do it, when they do it. But just the fact that it's still out there and it's still moving forward and it's, it's a brand new stage show every couple of years. And, you know, we're, we're getting new records now. I don't know how much longer that's going to be possible. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm a little concerned about Paul's voice and what I've heard in the last couple months, especially. Uh, the Japanese acoustic show I saw on YouTube, I was really concerned about that. Um, but the band as a whole, musically, great. Uh, uh, now, going in the other direction, Ace Fraley's latest solo album, I thought it kicked butt. Definitely. Uh, I think that... Uh, I don't know so much about Peter. I, I was never a huge Peter Chris fan. Um, I always thought the band improved when Eric Carr got in the band because it wasn't the same drum beat every song and, and they were, they play a little more powerful music. And I was a huge Eric Carr fan because of that. Um, uh, you know, and there's just a lot of different things that go on. I was never all about all the changing guitar players. Um, never knew the first thing about Mark St. John. Um, uh, just what I read. Uh, I thought Bruce Kulick did a commendable job while he was in the band. Um, great at what he did, um, you know, have no complaints about that, you know, and, 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 and revenge was his, uh, coup de, you know, just his top notch effort. You know, he played great through his whole time, but I mean, that album was just so many things for so many reasons. Um, I wish Ace and Peter would have stayed in the band just for the simplicity of the beginning and the energy and the nostalgia and, and all that stuff. But you know, I'll take the band the way they are today. I think they sound great. I think they're doing some great things. I hope Paul gets that voice fixed or maybe just takes a rest for a while. I mean, these guys, I don't think people realize that these guys are as busy now as they were back in the early 70s. Yeah, you know, these days they've always got something going on. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, to go back to the working musician point of view, Tommy and Eric no matter what people think of them, they're working musicians. But number mm -hmm. one, they were fans of Kiss in 1974. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're both going to shows in Portland and Cleveland, respectively, yeah. back in 74. So they're not just guys who came in. I don't think Vinnie Vincent ever went to a Kiss show um, before he joined the band. He wasn't a Kiss fan um, by any stretch of the imagination. So as working you know musicians... What? You know what, though, Julian? And I don't mean to cut you off there, but I want to say this before I forget it. Vinny's two albums, you know, he was on Summer Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up. Man, those were great records. Yeah, Vinny's a top-notch talent. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah, that, I, I can understand and appreciate the current band for what they are. You have to give them their due. They're still out there. They do the same thing every year. They hit X amount of number of dates in the U.S., then they go overseas but they're still working. They're constantly going. And to defend Paul, which I've always done on this, and look, there's no way to deny that Paul's problems exist. But at the show, it is not as noticeable. It, it, it sounds like it's making excuses for him. But yeah, the, the visuals cover up somewhat, but you get caught in the moment. 
Paul can get by for now. It, yes, it is debatable how much time do they have left, just strictly from an age factor and being able to physically do the show. Performance-wise, they could probably just playing and vocally, they could get by for another couple of years, but how much is the costumes and the show going to take away that they're going to have to step down at some point soon? So everybody go out there and enjoy them now for what they are. Feel free to like well, what you like, dislike what you don't, but they're not going to be around much longer. Well, the thing about it is, also in Paul's defense, and this was something I was uh, listening to the other day, I was listening to something that uh, Eddie Trunk was saying, and I was just, man, uh, I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> I just... How many shows has that guy done in the last 40 years? How many thousands of shows has that voice done? How many albums and how many takes in the studio has that voice recorded on? I, you know, sorry people, but sooner or later, the throat's a muscle too, and it'll deteriorate just like everything else. That's no slag to Paul. That's nothing to him because – just the fact that he's been able to do it this long and still doing it and still successful at doing it, singing the way that he has sung. I mean, let's remember, he didn't have an ear. He couldn't hear out of one side of his head his whole life. And he still managed to pull off a vocal like that, which is one of the top three to five top vocals in rock history. I mean, and if people start slagging him now, hey, we just need to line him up and shoot him. <laughs> Yeah. you got to give him his due for doing what he's done. And the damage that's been done to him is through years of performing. You know, so you got to look at it and say, you know, any deterioration he's had is because of everything he's given. So you you got to give him somewhat of a pass and say the only thing that's going to stop him at this point, if the voice where it's at now hasn't stopped him yet, it's just going to be the physical deterioration because he's going to reach a point where he's too old that he can't be that front man anymore where he can, he can still sing and he can still perform, but he can't be the star child. You know, no, but, I mean, we got a we got a guy up on stage who's got artificial body parts in him, and he's still going. I mean, there's you don't get any more dedicated than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because didn't he have a hip replacement yeah. a few years? Back? He had yeah, it years back. Yeah, and he had it done. He had to have it done twice, or or maybe it was even more because of complications. So Paul wow. Stanley has suffered for his art. But that was yeah. actually at the point where the band were slowing down, and they've actually picked it up. From 2009 onward, they've actually picked up the number of dates they're doing per year. There was that period where 2005 to 2008 or so, they were come and go, doing a few shows here and there. But now, since 2009, they've been a full-time act again, and Paul doesn't get to rest at all. Well, it's probably because he's not nearly in the level of pain he was back in the mid-2000s either. I mean, you, you look at these uh, aging rock stars who've had their hips done. Look at Eddie Van Halen, you know, recently, if you if you saw him on Kimmel. You know, he's moving around. He's smiling. He's got his legs up again. You know, it, it, it comes full circle. But the hip takes a bit of time to get, you know, really back to where you were, even once you're through the initial rehab. So, you know, I admire Paul Stanley. He, You know, just him getting up on stage is a fantastic thing. And seeing him in November, you know what? I enjoyed the shows. Simple as that. And, and end of topic, really. I enjoyed the shows I saw, and I wasn't cringing as much as I had been in, I think, 2009, 2010. I was really noticing it more in concert. Um, yep. You know, I, I hope they, they, they kill the meet-and-greet concerts. Um, because I, I just don't think... in an unflattering way, yeah. I, I, just, I just don't think that's good for his voice before a show, to be, to be burning those chords. Uh <laughs> like he is, but no, no I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and I do, I commend, I commend Paul and Gene both. I mean, you know, uh, those guys have put together a blueprint that'll never be touched again. And basically the reason it won't be touched again is because they, they created it. They didn't, they didn't come in and take somebody else's ideas, um, that, to that extreme. Yeah. They took some of Alice Cooper stuff and this, that, and the other, but I mean, to be to be the band that kicks out the, the phenomenal music they've kicked out for forty plus years and have the entertainment factor that's that's in and then I hear people all tying the dog and because of the merchandise. Hey look, if people weren't out there buying it and have a demand, they wouldn't be doing it. So all the people who are jealous just need to shut the hell up. If someone would buy a hydrogen casket, would you have that on the market now? Oh yeah, I guarantee somebody <laughs> buy a hydrogen casket if I logoed it and you, you, you wonder how many hydrogen posters I sold of Julie coming out of a casket? That's a great one, by the way. That's the alternate cover of Deadly Passions. Love it. Lord have mercy. You know, but 
Hey, if Walmart can sell a casket, I can too. <laughs> well, to go back to one more fun kiss-related topic, um, I'm flipping through your box set now, Particles. Yeah. And I'm going through the booklet, and there's a picture of you guys with Bill Coin. What can you tell me about your relationship with uh, Bill? The KISS fans will know him quite well. Oh, wow. Um, is there really? Yeah. Yeah, you got a picture of you guys out to dinner with him. Okay. Well, we spent about a week with Bill in Nashville. Um, got a phone call from him uh, back in 2006, late 2006. Um, we got a phone call from him, um, through one of his, through one of his people, um, and wanted to meet up and want to talk to us. So we, we flew him into Nashville and, and sat down and talked with him. He was interested in, um, managing the band and he came in and talked to us about, you know, several things and. And, you know, we just went on with that and talked to him for a few days. He listened to the album, uh, reviewed a couple of live sh shows that we had filmed. And, and you know, really cool guy, really interesting individual. Um, uh, for at the time of his age, um, you know, got around like a guy who was 20 years old. You, you talk about somebody who's just full of energy. Um, and... You know, it was all really cool to, to be able to spend time with him. At the end of the day, though, we, we couldn't strike up an agreement. Um, we, we went our separate ways after the meeting, and not too long after, uh, uh, he he'd sent us an offer, and we talked about it, and we were getting ready to do a counter offer, and then we got a phone call, and I don't remember who the phone call was from, from somebody just saying the bill wasn't doing well, and he'd get back with us, and then we just never heard back from him. And and obviously, I guess we know what happened in the end. So you yeah. know, with him uh, passing on. So yeah, I had no idea that was even the case. I thought you know he because when when he was in, when we met with him, he complained a couple times about not feeling well at times, and and Julie at even one point taking him to a doctor, um, in Nashville. So uh, you know, but really great guy. Heard a lot of great stories. Um, you know, from him and, and, and a bunch of different things. And, um, you know, it's a shame that we couldn't have, couldn't have, you know, been able to, to tie a situation together there and actually do something. But, you know, at the same time to be able to meet, you know, the, the third of the four architects that kiss, which I consider those to be Gene Paul and Neil Bogart and Bill Alcoin. I mean, it was just a big thrill to be able to sit down and talk to somebody like that and pick his brain and hear some of the stories. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the guy who had the Amex who kept the band on the road yeah. in 1974. Yeah. So, you know, he's a legend. I mean, what he did later with Billy Idol as well, um, you know. Well, Billy Idol, Billy Squire. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know who else was in his was in his stable. But, yeah, the guy, guy knew how to make knew how to make winners. Okay, so so what's next for the band now? You have a new album coming. Yeah, we got a new album coming out uh, October twentieth. Um, we're going to do some dates around that. We're actually going to film a uh, an official live DVD finally as well. Um, we've got tons of footage, but it's like the footage is good and the audio is horrible, or the audio is good and the video is horrible. And um, you know, we got tons of stuff going on that people want us to release, and we're getting we're releasing it. We're releasing some of the stuff we got. Uh, optical coming out uh next tuesday which is just um a behind the scenes it's kind of the video version of particles mm -hmm. and uh it's going to come out in a couple different volumes um we have so much stuff we documented pretty much every day of our existence from the day julie got in the band all the way up until now so there's so much stuff that we could share um just didn't have time to sit down and put it all together to make a one big set like the particle set um but that's, you know, that's getting ready to come out. We're hoping to do some dates this year. Uh, actually talked about doing some European dates as well. Um, and, you know, getting back out there and doing a little bit more. I've got a, a record. I've also got an album coming out next Tuesday uh, just under the Westlake moniker. Uh, made up of a bunch of songs I've written with other people that I've produced. 
Um, and for for that to make the record, I, I would have had to have either I would have had to have written and played on the song. So um, that's what the case of that is. And plus, there's four songs from back in 1999 before Hydrogen that it was in Westlake again when I was in a band uh, had Scott Niles in it who is just an absolutely amazing songwriter, great vocalist, great musician, excellent guitar player, um, that are on that album, first time they've ever been released. And then later in the year, or first of 2016, uh, I'm also working on another album with another guy who I can't talk about right now uh, for another Westlake release, uh, which is going to be um, more more specific. It's going to have more of a concrete direction, uh, anybody knows who I am also knows I'm a huge Ron James Dio fan. And so that's going to play into this release quite a bit. I just gave Julian you that. Is proving, uh, Julian, you'll, you would like their cover of Rainbow in the Dark. Yep. I just gave you the horns. All cool, man. <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ronnie rocks forever. Simple as that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, of course, you have your other project coming in October. We don't want to talk about that right now, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> you know, I've got that, got, yeah. got that going, too. Let, let's just say everybody out there that's listening to this is probably going, oh, well, they're going to do something else related with KISS. Yeah, that's okay. You can, you can think about that, and, and you can do that. But there's no way that you're ever going to know exactly what's about to come. <laughs> and when the time comes, hopefully we'll be able to do a recap with you and really uh, you know, talk about that. You guys, you you two will be the first ones to receive the product in the world. That's that's really cool. That's very very kind as well. So, so me and the wife would love to come check it out as you're making it. <laughs> hey man, I've already opened that door to you. I so know. we track drums next weekend, uh, and then we'll be making a schedule next weekend for the rest of everything that's going on. And and as I get that schedule made out, I'll be sure to let you guys know. That's awesome. And live dates coming. So just to uh, round everything out, let's go back to Kiss a little bit and um, just go a little bit off topic from you necessarily, but it'll be up to you. What's your favorite cover version that someone has done of a Kiss track? And if you want to cheat and say yourself and doing Heavens on Fire, knock yourself out. <laughs> um, if you have another one, what kind of covers? Because I mean, me personally, I'm going to go with Gilby Clark's version of Shock Me because it was just... Straight ahead, captured the song. He didn't really tinker it, much like how we've talked about with your Hotter Than Hell cover. Just right. went ahead, did his version of it, and that's the one that I like the best. Um, hmm. Who was it? Holy cow. If you say to the West Rocket doing rock and roll all night, I may have to throw you off. Oh, no. <laughs> um. I really liked Anthrax's covers. Oh yeah, uh, those were really good. And I did. I heard Gilby Clark's as well, and I liked it. Um, and I have to say, our version of Parasite still takes the cake. There you go. That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to be like that. I hate to be that guy. But, Promote uh, yourself at all times. That's just the way it works. I love. Gene Believe Simmons. Me. Gene Simmons. One hundred and one. Promote you yourself go. ceaselessly. Clearly, no one can do it better than yourself. That's how you push it. Very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Julian? Um, you know, I, I got to go back to the beginning, really. And I think it's going to be something off music from the folder. The the K-A-O-L, -K uh, Kathy Labonte. Oh, uh, yeah, that tribute. Oh. And it's been, I think it's going to be Lounge Lizard Boots, War Machine. Just because it was a really fun track, um, but there's so many. I mean, I I could probably, if I still had any of the tribute CDs um, that I had back then, go through a lot of them because the guys, you know, Double Virgo, who uh, I think it was, did that video a few years ago, and he put a '70s vibe on what uh, Secretly Cruel from the Asylum yeah. album. And put a YouTube video up. And he, I think he knocked it out of the ballpark in terms of, you know, visual creativity. But there was also a, another video that someone did a few years ago as well. I think it was for Hard Luck Woman. I can't remember the band um, or the tribute project because I lose track. Um, but I'll stick with The War Machine. Great song nice. anyway. Thanks. 
Cool. Well, Jeff, I could talk to you all day about hydrogen. There's nothing else really left for me to touch on. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Anything you want to say to the fans? Because, again, as I told you, when uh, and I, sh- I sent you links when uh, we first did our first piece with you. The response that I've heard personally from your album has been great. So everything I've heard has been fantastic about this project. And hopefully you'll be hearing more about what you have coming up and more for people who are hearing about your Harder Than Hell project now for the first time. I'll put another link back up to our piece so people can get another quick taste of it. But uh, any final words from you? Uh, just really appreciate you guys having me on and, and doing this. Um, uh, you know, huge Kiss fans, kind of nice to be tied into the whole machine and, and, and you know, in, in the way, you know, with you guys and hopefully the fans will be able to go out there and hear. If anybody wants to sample the stuff, they can go to uh, hotterinhelltribute.com. And there's samples up there of all 10 of the tracks formed here. Um, they want to know more about what I do when I'm not doing that. It's hydrogen.com. That's hydrogen with a Y N, not an E N. Um, but keep an, you know, and keep an update on my Facebook page. Um, because that's where you'll be able to find out what I'm doing on a day to day basis or week, weekly basis. And as things start happening, I will start putting up video clips because in this studio, you don't do anything and not get videotaped. (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, Jeff, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. Well, guys, I appreciate you having me again. Julian, it was nice meeting you. Nice talking with you. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be doing a lot more of this in the future. Likewise, Jeff. Appreciate your time. Okay, everyone out there in uh, FAQ podcast land, thank you all for listening. This uh, is obviously going to be just audio for Jeff. But um, if I can, I'll uh, stick a picture of him somewhere in this, and you'll just get to look at me and Chris talking. Chris, thank you for doing your your Virgin Kiss FAQ podcast. Now, My pleasure. Now, now people get to put a face to your band hammer. That's great. I can't wait to hear the hate. <laughs> and no, it's going to be positive. <laughs> Jeff, Chris, thank you both, and thank you everyone for listening.